Hey, this is Skippy from Mornings with Lone Star with Dick and Skippy. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's edition of the Weekly Business Hour. The weekly business hours where Montgomery County, in fact, businesses throughout the world come to talk about everything business and hopefully learn from an exchange of ideas, education, comments, and ideas that are submitted by you as an audience, as well as some of the wonderful speakers who offer their point of view on their subject. So again, thank you for joining us this morning. And a quick reminder, if you didn't already know, the show is broadcast live on YouTube. So you can get the video as well as the audio. So please consider joining us on YouTube. Just simply go to the Weekly Business Hour page and click on it, and you can watch as well as listen. Our sponsor for today is OneBestConsult.com. That's the number one bestconsult.com. That's a website that I founded uh, where I hope people will come, small business owners, managers, to exchange ideas. Uh, the theme of our website is very, very simple. Common sense business advice. Uh, That is something that I follow in my mentoring and advisory practice. I'm available there if you'd like to talk with me and engage me to help you, but there's a free change of ideas there. If you just take the time, register, uh, you'll be sent materials, our newsletter, and so on and so forth on a regular basis, our videos, and also a notice that the current weekly business hour show has been posted. So I encourage you, visit us at one, the number one, bestconsult.com. And at this point, as we do every week, I encourage you, sit back, grab your pad and pencil, and get ready to take notes as we talk about everything business right here on the weekly business hour. And today, I'm pleased to tell you that we're going to continue the conversation, the soups to nuts conversation. We started last week with Greg Zachary. Greg and his wife, Joanna, own the oilery uh, in the Woodlands here in Montgomery County. And his title of his talk was Starting Your Own Business, Get Ready for Surprises. Since 2016, Greg and his wife have been on quite a journey to get their business up and running. And now they've achieved success and continue to build on their business. So hopefully his discussion will be inspirational, uh, give you some idea of things to look out for as you build your business or start your business. So without further ado, I encourage you, listen to part two, Soup to Nuts conversation with Greg Zachary, starting your own business. Get ready for surprises. Well, Greg, when we were last visiting, uh, we talked about a lot of things, uh, getting established with a franchise, in this case, the oilery, and uh, getting a location in the Woodlands area off 1488. And covered a lot of, I think, great nuts and bolts, soup to nuts type issues uh, that every business goes through when they open up. Now we kind of come to some of the operational things. Now you're in business, you got a store open finally after three promised dates and really a year, year and a half of wait, uh, and the business is operating. Um, what are some of the operational issues? I know you talked a little bit about products, finding sources for products. Obviously, you're in a business of buying and reselling. That's got to be an important issue for you every day. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, we have an approved vendor list. And so like our oils are going to come from that one source and then some of the ancillary products also. But then it comes to supplies and they had all these recommended vendors and so what. But just the cost involved in those were uh, shipping costs were astronomical because a lot of these were coming from the Midwest. Well, that's great for headquarters, but it doesn't really help me a whole lot. So uh, using uh, my vast experience as a buyer for various companies, I just went online and started sourcing out as much as I can and then would factor in uh, the bottom line, see what it's going to cost me per piece. Uh, I've been able to reduce cost on a number of items. And this could be as mundane as the jars we use for our, our spices uh, to the shrink wrap for our gift baskets. Uh, just all sorts of different things like that where I could narrow it down. And every spring we do this. Uh, you know, one year we changed internet and phone providers because we got a huge re reduction. Because every dollar we don't spend means that's two I don't have to make. You know, so that's what really what we're trying to do there. Uh, and it was pretty eye-opening for my wife to see us go all through that, being that she's not from the retail environment. Uh, but it was, it's essential to do that each spring. I, I always spend a little bit of time checking for some things. Or if a company happens to go out of business, then I'll start, you know, looking you know, for that also. But uh, it all goes back to uh, what I learned at Soundwaves, you know. Well, and I, and I got to congratulate you, so to speak, or, or give you kudos. You do it on a scheduled basis. Too often I go into small businesses and work with people, and they're willy-nilly checking, in this case, the discussion on products and costs. And it's just hit and miss. It just happens all the time whenever a salesman calls or something pops up in their email. Uh, I think that it needs the approach you have, methodical, scheduled basis. Of course, you mentioned if someone goes out of business, there may be particular things to pick up at that moment. But the idea that you thoroughly analyze your pricing, and you made another great point. I love it. $2 you don't have to bring in uh, for every dollar you save. And I think a lot of business people, yes, the bottom line is the important number, but the revenue at the top, realizing that I've got to go sell more in order to pay more for what I'm doing, and it, it works at both ends of that spectrum, at the top and the bottom. Yes, it does. And, you know, it's just, you've got to know your numbers. I mean, I've been told this all my life, and, you know, when you are doing it on your own, it's just so much more important to do that. Um, I would go in as a district manager in previous lives to a location and ask somebody the numbers, and they wouldn't know it, you know? And it was just like, I've got the wrong people in here. You know, you've got to know your numbers. It's very, very simple. Uh, but, you know, you've also got to be, in, you know, invested in it. Uh, and there are people who own a business and really are doing it as a hobby. They aren't invested in it. And, and it just blows my mind why you would want to do that. Uh, I don't know. It, it just, uh, it, it's boggling at times, uh, some of the approach that I would give some people. But I will tell you this. You've got to know your numbers because it affects every facet of your business. Basically, it was a family thing originally. And he was, I guess, the third generation at that point. Uh, multiple store operations, multiple stores. But at any point, end of the month, whatever, he could tell you what his numbers were. He didn't need to wait for the financial P&L to be printed out. He could give you a pretty good feel. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of the month, he'd say, looks like we're going to do well at the last two weeks, just stay the same. He knew the numbers for the overall operation. And that really sank in to me, knowing your numbers when you're making decisions. Obviously, the printed statement's important, but it's always delayed five, 10 days, whatever. Uh, and you're making decisions, operational decisions, based on those numbers. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I'm always comparing them. I mean, at the start of the year, I come up with a budget, you know, and a sales goal for each of my months, all based on last year's. Um, you know, and speaking of last year, we kicked it. Uh, we basically, you know, just 
slammed every month. Uh, there was one month that did not make it as far as beating uh, you know, the previous year's numbers by a substantial amount. This year, unfortunately, we're, we're not as, as fortunate. We've had uh, uh, just two months where we've been over it. But on the other hand, every month beats the first year. You know, So it's just right in between there. Could we have expected to continue with that galloping as we were? One would love to, but you don't always do it. As long as we're not falling back too far, and that's also where cutting those expenses makes a difference. Uh, keeps the doors open. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I want to talk, if we can, for a moment. Uh, you, you, you and your business, you and, and Joanna, received, I think, some wonderful recognition. And I think uh, that's important to every business, to receive outside recognition. In this case, uh, you were, your business, you and Joanna, were selected in 2017 Small Business of the Year by the local uh, Chamber of Commerce. And this is a chamber, for those listening that are not familiar with the area, the Woodlands Chamber, I believe is the second largest chamber in the greater Houston area. So this is a big organization, and this had to be quite an honor. How did that impact your business and, and your approach, you and jo Joanna, your state of mind and things like that? Well, as far as state of mind and approach, it definitely solidified and validated what we were doing, no doubt about it. And, yeah, you get some good uh, chest thumping, you know, out of it. But to be recognized and because you always wonder, am I doing the right thing? That kind of validation was really, really important. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't exactly uh, benefit our sales as much as one would hope, but at the same time, is it solidified what we were doing, knowing for the fact that, hey, the two of us have got the right approach, we're going down this road together, and uh, we're doing things the right way. And it's definitely nice to be recognized. There's no doubt about that. And, and just so people understand, these are the kind of recognitions that, that you don't put yourself up for. Somebody else puts you up. I mean, it's, it's, it's somebody's rec It's not something you're in a competition that you enter into, and you made a comment about that uh, in some information you gave me. And I think the idea that you're recognized by outside, and I think every business should strive, not that you have to push, but build the kind of business that others look at. I feel they're, they're, they want to emulate it. The folks that vote on these things saying, hey, they're doing a great job there. I, I would like to have my business like that business. So it's a great, as you said, validation, uh, but it also... It, it's other businesses in the community want to be like your business. And I think every business should strive indirectly, if you will, to be in that posture. One of the other things you did is, is you talk about special events and drawing attention to your business. Uh, you had our local congressman, Kate, uh, Kevin Brady, who previously was the chairman of the Budget uh, Committee, Ways and Means Committee in Congress. So he's well-known uh, throughout the country as well as locally. Tell us about that visit and, and how that came about and how others might achieve some, because that obviously brought a lot of recognition to your business. Absolutely. It was outstanding. And one thing I really appreciate about Congressman Brady is that he is approachable. He's always in the community. Joanna and I had met him at the polls uh, a previous year, voting in the runoff that he was no longer even involved in. He'd already won the primary, but he came back from the Hill to vote for it. And we spoke to him for a while, and I talked about how important it was for to see him out here, and he loved it, uh, but it was just, it was really cool. His approach was, yes, I can get to Capitol Hill. I've got to be back on Tuesday for a vote, but I'm here now, and that was Monday. Uh, but what was, how that all came about was I got a phone call from the reporter from uh, Community Impact, and they, it was the same reporter who interviewed me when we opened, and wanted to know how the impact of the recent tax cuts, how they had affected me. Well, we joked about how we yet to necessarily need them in our business because we're still right in that pre-profit stage. We're, we're getting dang close, but we're not there yet. But what 
affected us was the positive outlook everyone in the community had about the economy based on, you know, these new tax laws that came in. And so we were seeing very good increases in our business. And at that time, I really hadn't started doing a lot of shows yet. So this was early in last year, uh, January, February, but I only done a couple of shows in January and just started in March. And then that got published. A week or so later, I get a phone call from someone from the Brady office wanting to know, hey, you know, basically betting me again to make sure that, hey, it wasn't just a misquote or anything and wanted to know what all my thoughts were on it. And then about two weeks later, he comes in and spends a good two hours with us. Um, oh, wow. Taped us, put it on his Facebook page, gave us a lot of recognition and just a lot of uh, uh, great, great media presence. And it was just great. He appreciated the fact that, uh, you know, a local business had benefited from his work because, yes, at that time he was cha chairman of the House Ways Means Committee and very influential. But also, that bill doesn't pass without him, uh, you know, and so that was really cool about it. So to, I saw later on that he was going to a ton of other businesses, but I think I was the very first one. And let me tell you, that's a dang good feeling. But it all started with just simply being interviewed, someone reading it, calling us up, and then boom, he wanted to come out and appreciate, and show his appreciation to his local businesses and his constituents. And I thought that was great. You know, it, it, it's, I sit here and listen to your story, and, and you and I have talked about your story to some extent. I, I learn something new every time we visit, but... The idea that you're basically building uh, building blocks. He was a building block in your recognition in the community. You, you've done a great job networking. We've talked about that in a previous show. Uh, used that time that you were given that was unexpected and connected with everybody in the business community and, and, and were able to leverage that into business once you were able to get open. And now you've been established as the business of the year through the local chamber. Now you've had the congressman come in who's you know, got this great recognition for this tax bill, chairman of the committee, that kind of thing. And he is one that's always out there and connecting and so on and so forth. You've done a wonderful job in that. Marketing-wise, though, you've done something recently. And the one thing I appreciate, you're always looking for new opportunities to, uh, as a general uh, proposition to where you take your business. Uh, you started doing events. Can you kind of touch on that briefly and Tell us some of the pros and cons that you learned by experience. Absolutely. You know, last year we were starting to see, you know, a couple of downfalls here and there. Uh, got to go out and answer the challenge. You got to get the word out. We're the only oilery in the state of Texas. Our headquarters up in the Midwest and a lot of name recognition. You don't have that here. Well, how do you uh, combat that? You get out in the areas. And what we do is I go as basically as far as I can, as long as I can come home at night. I will not spend the night on the road. That's something I promised Joanna I will not be doing. So I go out like this past weekend. I had a morning uh, event at Belleville on Saturday. Then I went in the evening went to Pearland. Those are a good long way from the, from the house. But let me tell you, there's people who've never heard about us that now are prospectively going to be our customer coming up. Um, last year in the Christmas season, because we ask everybody who walks in the door how they ever heard about us the first time. Tons of people came in as a direct result of going to these shows. So not everyone was a great, you know, grand slam while I was there. But then they added on to value by coming back into the store or giving us a mail order. Uh, you know, Belleville uh, is extremely well, but Bay City, Nacogdoches, Luling, all these little cities that are out there don't have what I'm selling in their area. Now, they can travel to Austin or other, other cities where they're at, uh, but I'm bringing it to them. And then they, you know, 
taste our, our great stuff and then become converted. And then they start calling us and adding into our business. And our growth from last year was strictly predicated by doing the shows. Every dollar we made over the previous year can be attributed to what we did at the shows. So a new way to market the business. You didn't buy a billboard. You didn't go on the radio. You did. You went out and saw the events, meaning different kinds of charity events, some for-profit events, uh, mm -hmm. some farmers markets, uh, wherever you could feel or you felt your product would uh, would be welcomed and receive the kind of exposure. And you did how many events in the last 12 months? Well, last year I did 61, and as of this weekend, I just uh, did my 55th for this year. For this year, so, wow. You know, uh, and we're on pace to be doing about 120, it looks like, this year. Uh, but what I found is that when you have a nonprofit or, say, a women's club, something like that, they're the folks who really you get the best results from because they're bringing people in for their show to benefit the community. Um, Cypher Women's Club does Shop to You Drop in the Berry Center every September, and they give out scholarships to area students from the proceeds that they get. So they're benefiting the community, and at the same time, you're getting a great response at the show. Um, there are a few exceptions for the people who do it for profit, but by and large, most proprietors who are doing this as their business, you want to avoid, at least in my case, you do. That's been my experience. Right. Uh, they're a little bit higher. Uh, the traffic isn't as good uh, because they're worried about their bottom line, whereas these nonprofits are worried about you being successful so that their charity can be successful. And that goes back to my involvement with the community. And so it really pays off, sort of wraps that all together. And uh, keeping all the detailed notes that I do backs up everything my memory's telling me right now. You know, you said one important thing, and I, I kind of went past it, and you just repeated it indirectly now, is that when you do when you do a marketing effort, uh, again, this year events, I think in previous years you worked corporate gift baskets and, and saw that business go way up, and then it started, started tailing off for various reasons. So you went and looked in your crystal ball, if you will, right, and, and discovered events and ran that out, but you measure everything. I mean, you, you've shared with me, you keep a spreadsheet, you keep numbers so that you can track what's really working because, right, we only have so many hours in a day. This, as you've alluded to, is a mom-and-pop business like so many thousands and hundreds of thousands of businesses, millions in America. But by tracking what you're doing and the kind of return you're getting, you're able to make a better decision on where you spend your time. Absolutely. And it goes back to just knowing your numbers. And while I've got a fairly good memory, Believe me, the older I get, the more it's starting to fail. So let's keep track of it. Use the tools that are out there. Uh, you know, keeping you know, spreadsheets, not that hard. It's just a matter of keeping up with it. Uh, and the decisions made for you from the formulas that are in there. So it's, it's, it's there. Well, I got to ask you the question now that yeah. we've kind of covered the waterfront in your business with marketing. Do you prepare any kind of marketing plan? Uh, say, sit down like you do in the spring with your products? Do you sit down once a year, say, or uh, or maybe several times, but write down a plan that you, in, in this case, Joanne, your partner, can share and talk about the pros and cons? Or is this something you sort of pick an area like events and you just go after it? A little bit of both. But first two years, we had detailed, I mean, very detailed uh, advertising programs that were sent up to corporate. Um, and he had to approve each and every use of the logo, which is very common in, in a franchise. But we also found that a lot of the avenues, the traditional avenues that he required us to use, weren't producing the results we needed. Um, I could have, we joke about uh, standing on a street corner with dollar bills and getting better results. 
Uh, we have honed that down to uh, one very, very successful digital billboard that I'm very, very pleased with, and it's locally owned, which is another thing I really like to do. Very pleased with that, but pretty much other than that, I've, I've stopped on the advertising, and I've put my budget in, into these uh, events. But yes, Joanna and I, pretty much on Sunday nights, will have a recap for the entire week. Uh, as we're sitting out having dinner, we're talking about, well, good and bad and ugly, and then, of course, just every night because, hey, we come home and we talk about the day, and a lot of those results come up. We talk about repeat customers and how they found us and things like that, but on Sunday nights, it's, it's discussed at length because we have the week ending, we've got our results, and we talk about the good and the bad and sometimes the ugly. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite phrases, the good, bad, and ugly. <laughs> well, before we kind of look at the future and what you're seeing down the road in your industry, because I think you've got some things that are in common directly or indirectly with a lot of business. One last question, and you mentioned you and your your wife, your partner, Joanna, have a quote-unquote business meeting typically on Sunday night over dinner. How has it been? I mean, so many couples go into business and it just doesn't work because the, the personal life and the family life and the business life, they kind of, even though their skill sets may be complementary, uh, it doesn't work. What does it take to make that partnership work in the business? Working with your best friend every day. I've known Joanna for 21 years before we got married. And then we're coming up on our 25th wedding anniversary. Uh, so you've got a 46-year relationship. Absolutely. And, uh, be, you know, uh, three years in the business, 25 years being married, it don't get any better. You know, so that, that's the, the cool thing. Yeah, well, I, I, the strength in the partnership, and I've been in some, and I definitely mentor people that are in various types of business partnerships, family businesses. Uh, the secret is the people and their willingness. And I grew up in a family business, multiple families. Uh, I learned the good, the bad, and the ugly. So it's a, but it's a neat thing. I always encourage people that are thinking about a family business. It's a neat thing if you can get the dynamics down and make it work. It's, it's a step above just being successful in business to be successful with someone in your family. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I, you, you hit the head on the nutshell there and thanks for giving me a little breather there. Uh, yes, uh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It's, it's just been wonderful. And I, if, if, if someone has the opportunity, I would, I would say go for it. Yep, you got to make it work. Well, let's, let's take the last four or five minutes, whatever we have. Talk about the future challenges in your business. Uh, you've already, the, the first one that came to my mind, you've already touched on. You, you had a great year, call it 2017, 2008. I mean, you, you just double-digit growth month over month, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you got to match or beat those numbers in the following year. Uh, where do you go from there? I mean, are you trying to get back on track to have double-digit increases in oh. 2019 and forward? Absolutely, because one of these years we want to hire somebody. We'd love to have someone else come in there and give us a break now and again. Uh, as it is on the events, uh, you know, uh, her youngest and then a buddy of mine will pitch in and help us out on that, but we don't have any employees. And, yes, that, that would be our first step. To do that, we have to continue, uh, you know, adding to our, our, uh, our sales. Also, though, we've got some challenges with some product availability. Um, our ancillary products have uh, drastically changed of late um, for reasons that have not completely been um, – Above board, we have lost a lot of our ancillary products that were through our franchisor. Um, he's given us some reasons, and those reasons have not proven to be true, uh, but we had to accept it because we can't get them. Uh, and we're having to bring in a whole new line. And after you've spent these almost three years developing people, looking for these products, I hate disappointing people. 
And when they drive to your store and get out of the car and come in with something in mind and you have to tell them it's no longer available, there's not a lot of things worse than that. I mean, yes, you can overcome objections and turn them on to something else. But these people's purpose for coming to your store that day isn't there. It, that hurts, uh, you know, and so now we're, we're trying to find some uh, items that uh, can simulate and get close to what they were, but uh, we're having some challenges on that. I mean, roughly 96% of our ancillary product has uh, vanished. You know? Boy, that's a difficult thing. That's like losing a vendor just goes out of business one night, and you wake up the next day, and you can't resource uh, a big part of your business of the products that you need. Corporate sales, that was something you tried a couple of years ago. Um, some success, I suggest, because I, I saw that working. I knew people who bought your baskets and to make gifts and so on and so forth. But you mentioned in the uh, information you provided me that those sales grew exponentially, but then the following year they sort of fell off. What was some of the reasoning? Why do you feel, and you keep numbers and data, what did it tell you about why they fell off? Well, what I'm seeing now, especially like one of the dealerships that I'm, I'm working with, uh, their sales are down, and so then that makes uh, their purchases from me down. I'm talking about uh, automobiles. Yes, 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 absolutely. And, you know, I'm looking at uh, last year, and some of these are one half of what they ordered before, which means they're selling less and less of the items, too. So that's where, say, a year after the, the tax cuts, um, I don't know if it's a, a slap in, in people's face or, or a wake-up call or what it is, but people's confidence in the economy now isn't as strong as it was last year right after the initial surge of the of that. So some big ticket items aren't being bought. Uh, so that's that's my, uh, you know, that's part of it. The other part is uh, realtors, another very large, uh, you know, customer base has dropped off a bit. And, and part of that is that uh, some folks have uh, tell me that they need, have had to contribute a lot to help them make the purchase, things like that. So that takes away the uh, excess funds they had that they were using. So uh, now I'm going to go down tomorrow in Houston, and I'm going to check out. I'm not just going to do a cold call tomorrow, but I'm going down to the Vespa dealership, uh, Italian Cycles, and I'm just going to see what the heck we can do, if we can possibly work with these guys, because it's a great tie-in. Uh, uh, well, some of them are made in Vietnam, but most of them are still made in, in Italy, and they're made very, very close to where our balsamics are made. Uh, and we're going to see how that ties in. And all they can say is no, and I'm a man. I've been told no before, so, you know. <laughs> uh, but I'm looking forward to that opportunity. But uh, just as something I'd never thought about before, but it's like, hey, let's go look for another opportunity and see what we can come up with. You know, what a great encouragement for folks that are looking at, uh, especially what I call Main Street, which is the retail world. And the fact you can't sit on your hands. Uh, today's world moves so fast, uh, faster than it did five, ten years ago. In my opinion, someone has been out uh, on the street, so to speak, for 40, 50 years in various businesses. Uh, you can't sit on your hands, and you've got to go to the Vespa dealer. You got to go. You got to look for new ways to distribute your product, compete. And there's some wonderful, wonderful business stories out there of small businesses that have adjusted and been so successful. And I think your story about the corporate sales, which you know came from you to do versus just sitting behind the desk and waiting for people to walk into store. And now the events and going out to, you know, 100-plus events this year, uh, about a lot of work. You and I discussed that. Uh, it's a great story. Well, I want to finish up. We've got a minute or two left uh, and talk about uh, a threat to your business. And, and, again, those are the things people, I always encourage my clients to try to prepare for the crisis. I call that crisis management. Uh, preparation so it doesn't 
become a crisis or it's not as big, and that's the tariffs. Um, everyone listening to this program, I'm sure, is aware of tariffs from China uh, and so on and so forth, but I understand that you're faced with, in your business, a 300% tariff on imported olive oil, which is the core business you're in. What do you do about that in a business? You're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you're looking at a 300% increase in tariff, which means a significant increase in your cost. What do you do with that? Well, I'm going to try to come up and get some, you know, get some product before it all comes into play. No doubt about it. Um, I have reached out to our franchisor, and I'm still waiting on that response to uh, see what his guidance is going to be on that. Since we only have the one supplier, uh, we are limited in that. So, will he open up those avenues to uh, say, "Hey, we can get some olive oil from other places"? But part of our niche is the fact that we've got that one fourth-generation Italian master. So. I doubt that's going to happen as far as allowing other things. So we're going to have to get some more product from him before it all happens. Now, in the meantime, um, we're also petitioning folks to sign the uh, the bill, or excuse me, petitioning against the bill. Uh, the American North American Olive Oil Association is really striving with their lobbyists to have olive oil excluded from this. This is just a small portion of a huge tariff bill that's being aimed at the European Union. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons for it, and lot, but mo- none of them apply to olive oil. We just happen to be lumped in there because we're from Europe. Uh, so it's not just going to be Italian. It's going to be Greek. It's going to be Spanish, Tunisian. Well, they're in Africa, but still, they're, they're part of the union as far as the olive oil goes. All the sources from overseas are going to be hurt. Um, and let's be honest, while America does make olive oil, it's only 5% of the world supply. So, yes, costs are going to go up uh, if it passes. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed and petition as much as we can so that it doesn't happen. I've already reached out to Congressman Brady's office also and explained to him uh, our position on it. And uh, we're just going to have to hedge our bets. But at the same time, I am going to be prepared to making a major purchase beforehand so that we can at least get through this Christmas season and then right. see what happens. Well, you know, in, you, in this situation, it's it just uh, the kind of thing that small businesses typically aren't well uh, equipped to handle and they pop up, and then this happens to be a tariff. It could be anything else. But the fact is that you're active, you're out there working, because every small business, in my opinion, needs to be connected some way, legislatively, politically, whatever, to stay in tune with things. And you obviously, from the visit of Congressman Brady and your connection with his office and the ability to communicate, uh, strengthens you, in my opinion, when you go back and talk about this particular issue, because now you have a relationship. So. Uh, my takeaway is you build relationships in all aspects of business, and right, wrong, or indifferent, one aspect is government, and you've got to have some relationships there. Well, Greg, I can't thank you enough. You've been a wonderful guest. You've got a wonderful business story, uh, one that anyone that's thinking about going into business can benefit, uh, hearing some of the experiences and some of the surprises, uh, because they're always going to happen, and yours may be unique to you, but they really aren't, particularly in your real estate and some other things. Those kind of curveballs come. In your case, though, they had a little speed on them, a little harder, I think, on the real estate particularly, and now tariff. Uh, if folks want to get in touch with you uh, to ask you questions because you've indicated you're available just to talk to people about business, which I appreciate, what's the best way for them to do that? Yes, please stop on by the Oilery of the Woodlands at 2400 FM 1488, and that's three miles off I-45. We're really easy to get to, and we are open from... 10 to 6, Monday through Saturday. On Sunday, it's 12 to 5. And if you don't find me there, you're going to find my lovely wife, Joanna. And just stop in. Leave your card if you miss me. Speak to her. She's got a lot of knowledge also. 
Uh, she's picked up a ton of things in three years, let me tell you. Uh, and we're more than happy to spread our knowledge to help any of the small businesses here in town and, of course, develop a business relationship with you as well. Well, thank you again. And I, I will tell people in the air, my wife, our house is full of your products. Uh, and it's because they're quality, wonderful products. My wife is quite the cook, takes a lot of interest in her cooking, and she identified early on. I introduced you to this, her to the store, but now it's a regular part of her routine and part of the food products that she uses in preparing our family meals. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of uh, this conversation, Soup to Nuts conversation, starting a business. Get ready for big surprises. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed the continuation part two, the final part of that conversation with Greg Zachary, uh, the, the owner with his wife, Joanna, of the Oilery, a franchise in the Woodlands. Uh, I just felt that story was worth sharing, a lot of ups and downs, and a lot of them really are, in my opinion, applicable to not just starting a business, but some of the things you can run into, like signing a new lease and the delays that come from the landlord. I've been there, done that. I have clients that have been through that. And these are the kind of things you need to be aware of, in my opinion, as you start or grow your business. I want to finish up and give you contact information for Greg. Greg is always open to talk to you about his experience and share ideas with people, and I think that's wonderful. He does that very openly. So if you'd like to contact him, uh, the phone number, 936-321-3737. That's 936-321-3737. And their location in the Oilery, the Woodlands, this is 2400 FM 1488, Suite 500. So I encourage you to reach out to Greg or perhaps try some of their products. Uh, I think he's a wonderful entrepreneur and he's got a great story. Well, what's coming up in the second half of the show? First of all, I'll recap our conversation, our soup to nuts conversation with Greg. Second, in our Did You Know segment, I'm going to talk about how not to rescue your business. And then in, close out the show today, one best consult tip of the week, three reference check questions you need to know. So please stay with us. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with you. For business ideas and news you can use, join us on the weekly business hour every Monday at 11 a.m. on Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question, comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station on IRLoneStar.com or call in and leave a message at 936-647-3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. Does volunteering at a nonprofit horse sanctuary sound wonderful? Or are you a veteran or a veteran spouse and think trying a peer group session through a local Horses and Heroes equine program might be worth trying? Henry's Home Horse and Human Sanctuary, located in Grand Central Park by appointment only, is home to a growing number of rescued and donated horses. Visit our website at henryshomehorsesanctuary.org or check out our Facebook at Henry's Home Horse and Human Sanctuary for more information. Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Margie Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture.
Want to check out the fastest growing sport in the world? It's right here in Conroe, Texas, and it's roller derby. Conroe Roller Derby is a nonprofit recreational league of women and men who want you to come and check out the fast-paced, hard-hitting game of roller derby. The Conroe Cutthroats practice at Rainbow Roller Rink on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. You can find our game schedule and more information on our website, www.conroerollerderby.com. Hispanic Chamber Connections with Dr. Carlos Sanchez president of the Woodlands Conroe Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, featuring event announcements, member highlights, and more. Tuesdays at 1 p.m., broadcasting from the heart of Conroe, Texas, on IRLoneStar.com and Conroe's FM 104.5-106.1. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Weekly Business Hour, and I'm Rick Schuster, your host, I'm a Silver Fox advisor and the founder of OneBestConsult.com. I want to remind you that you can find a podcast videocast of today's program, typically Wednesday afternoon following the Monday show. You can find it at YouTube under the Weekly Business Hour, here at the radio station at IRLoneStar.com, or at One, the number OneBestConsult.com, as well as many other social media sites. So if you've missed something in the first half of the show or want to share uh, something you heard or saw with uh, someone, please take a look at the podcast. They're posted, and I encourage you when you have the time to listen to them. I also want to thank again our show sponsor, OneBestConsult.com, where you can find common sense business advice and ideas. This is a community of like-minded small business owners, managers. You come to share the challenges, seek others' opinions, and get some direction to improve and grow their business for themselves and their families. Well, first of all, I want to recap the conversation with Greg. Um, if you listen to the entire two-part conversation with Greg, I'm sure you were able to pull a couple ideas or more, uh, nuggets, some people call them, that could be helpful in your business and your thinking about your business and planning. Several things, though, stood out to me in that conversation. First of all, uh, the pros and cons, if you will, of becoming a franchise. I think Greg's situation and experience uh, showed some of the challenges of being a franchise owner. Uh, we've had others on the program that talked about how they benefited uh, and continue to benefit from a franchise. Uh, to me, it all boils down to the focus and the goals of your franchise operator or franchise or that really determine a lot of it. And secondly, how much you need, how much help you need. Uh, a lot of times folks are in corporate positions, they've been an employee for the, all their life uh, and really don't have some of the practical background and experience. I think Greg, uh, obviously because of working for smaller businesses, uh, had a lot of background and experience that lends itself to owning a small business. So his experience may be not as good overall uh, as others. But I think that's something to consider if you're thinking about buying or converting to a franchise. Uh, the pros and cons, make sure it fits what you're trying to do, your skill level, your desires, your goals. Second thing is, you can't always be prepared for unforeseen circumstances. I think Greg's example of a potential 300% tariff on the importation of olive oil, which is a mainstay of their business, right? The oilery. One would think olive oil and what that could mean to his business, obviously devastating as far as price increases. So here is a little guy in Montgomery County operating a business. He and his wife, as he calls it, a true mom and pop. 
and all of a sudden something happens on the national, international scene that potentially could destroy or at least severely damage his business. You know, we can't always plan for those things. There's no way to know that in this situation where we're at having these trade wars, as the news media calls it, with China uh, or with the European Union or Canada or Mexico, all these things we read or hear in the news, and all of a sudden right down there on Main Street, there's a direct, potentially very serious impact happening to your business. But one thing you can do, if you heard the Soup to Nut series with my friend Hank Moore, uh, revolving around his uh, series of books, The Big Picture of Business. He talks about the need to take time to put together a very simple crisis management plan. So when something like this occurs, you can pull it up, pull it out of your file, and you can see the steps that when times were calmer, the emotions weren't so high, and uh, there was you know this great deal of concern that would boil up with anybody when faced with things like a 300% tariff, that the steps that you need to walk through. Uh, but I think Hank makes a good point that every business needs to put in their playbook a crisis management plan or a crisis uh, response uh, to any type of potential crisis. And let me assure you, most if not all businesses, depending on how you grade it out, are going to face a crisis during the life of that business at least once. So try to be prepared. And I think the last thing that really jumped out at me is networking. I mean, all businesses don't lend themselves to doing local networking. In this case, Greg faced huge delays in getting his store open because the building wasn't constructed and space wasn't finished out as agreed to in the lease agreement. So he basically ended up with a year plus on his hands. And a lot of that time he spent networking in the community, establishing the brand, going to every kind of event, chamber of commerce, open network, his face was everywhere, I guarantee you. That's how I met him. So networking, again, shows up in a successful business because it set the stage for the sales once those doors opened. So I would consider looking at your network plan. If you aren't networking, I encourage, I encourage everyone to network their business. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come right back, and I'm going to talk about uh, what I think is kind of an interesting subject is how not to rescue your business. So when the business gets in trouble, how far do you go in trying to rescue it? So please stay with us, and I'll be right back. It's all about business on the Weekly Business Hour every Monday at 11 a.m. on Lone Star Community Radio. Don't miss Lone Star Community Radio on TV and YouTube. Our talk show and music shows are featured on Our City TV, Suddenlink Channel 12, and have their own YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to keep up with posted shows and comment on them below the video. For those of you who like your partners, your gumbo, and your music salty, well, we're here to help with the music. Julian Shea here, host of Lone Star Country Nights Thursday, your weekly dose of roots and Americana and all the music that makes this part of the country special. We stir in western swing, honky-tonk, Zydeco, Texas blues, outlaw country, and put a pinch of red dirt, and then we smoke it over a slow fire. Then listen to the results Thursday nights on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. What can the Better Living for Texans program do for you? You can learn how to increase your consumption of fruits and vegetables, choose foods that are relatively inexpensive and good to eat, make your food dollars last longer, prepare quick, nutritious meals, help your children learn how to eat healthier snacks, and much more. 
Our program is committed to helping people like you improve your health through providing research-based nutrition education in a friendly, cost-free, and relaxed environment. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. It's all business talk on the Weekly Business Hour every Monday at 11 a.m. right here on Lone Star Community Radio. You're listening to the Weekly Business Hour, and this is Rick Schisler, your host. Thank you for staying with us. I want to quickly uh, go through what I call our Did You Know segment. Uh, this week, I'd like to talk about how not to rescue your business. Uh, to me, this is a small but potentially very, very important topic. And there are three points I want to make. First of all, when you have problems in your business, you're facing loss, uh, sales aren't there, your business is moving south, it's moving towards the negative instead of the positive, there may come a point where you need to just shut it down, close the doors. One of the hardest things I think for any small business entrepreneur, business owner to do is to say, gosh, I gave it all I had but it didn't work. Very, very difficult emotionally. And the emotions um, run high in this situation. And I want to point out and remind folks and encourage, don't let those emotions run away with you. Very, very easy to do. I had a business failure early in my career, and it was hard, even though the numbers told the story, that we needed to do something else. Uh, And that's what really got me through it, recognizing that, hey, There are other opportunities out there. Time is limited, if you really think about it. And I needed to invest myself, my time, and what money I had in a new opportunity, which in my case proved to be absolutely the right decision. So the next one paid off very well. So my encouragement, don't let your emotions run away from you. Uh, The second thing, the old expression, pouring good money after bad. I really believe everyone should try to set a benchmark. If your business is, is at the early stages of growth, which means you're probably losing money because very few businesses start up and make money the first day. Uh, But the idea is it could be 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. If you're losing money and it continues to lose money, try to set a benchmark, say, we're only going to invest X in this business. And when it gets to that point, then if we've invested that much and it demands more, then we're done. So, You need to learn when to say, as they say here in Texas, calf rope. It's done. And again, the money is is an accountable black and white, if you will, way to measure how much are we going to invest in the business. And last but not least is try to keep your family informed. If you're married, you have a family, uh, particularly a spouse, and your business is part of their life as well and probably a lot of excitement when you started the business. They may be involved in the business with you, but don't try to sugarcoat or hide it. Be transparent, and there's a fine line you walk there. You don't want to walk home every day and be a doomsayer. I understand that, but you have to keep them informed. And when you make that final decision, bring them into your circle. Definitely bring them in, even if they don't work with you, and talk about what it means and what the future's going to look like. So keep that family involved. Spouses, Family members don't want surprises, so don't put it on them. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our final break of the day, and I'm going to come back and uh, talk about my one best consult tip of the week. Three reference check questions you need to know. So please stay with us, and we'll be right back with you. Not sure who to turn to when you have a problem in your business? Listen to the Weekly Business Hour on Lone Star Community Radio. 
Health Center Southeast Texas is a federally qualified health center. We accept Medicare, Medicaid, and most major private insurances. For our self-pay patients, we have a sliding scale discount program available. Our health centers have qualified providers and staff striving every day to provide the best quality of care to our patients. Services offered are family medicine, behavioral health services, telepsychiatry, and pediatrics. We have four area locations. Look at the Health Center Southeast Texas online at hcset.com. Hey, Montgomery County and online listeners. Thank you so very much for checking out Jazzy Vibes with Soul. What? You haven't done so yet? Well, you've got to tune in. Hi, I am the host of Jazzy Vibes with Soul, Miss C.C. Holmes, and I invite you to check us out every Friday and Saturday from 7 until 9 p.m., where you will get the best in old-school R&B and, of course, a little smooth jazz to make it jazzy. So tune in. That's right, tune in. Every Friday and Saturday right here on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 FM or worldwide at IRLongStar.com. It's all business talk on the Weekly Business Hour every Monday at 11 a.m. right here on Lone Star Community Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to the Weekly Business Hour. We're in our final part of the show. This is where I offer my one best consult tip of the week. And this week I'm going to talk about three reference check questions you need to know. Last week we talked about the importance of reference checking. It's something that has become overlooked. A lot of it has to do, in my opinion, with uh, perceived or actual legal ramifications of seeking someone's uh, reference. Uh, the idea that a business reference, when you get that call and ask for a reference, you as a former employer, uh, many people just clam up their company policy or their own approach to the situation is not to give out any information. And I claim you very least you should be able to get the dates of employment uh, in, in that person to verify they were employed. Uh, I've had the situation when I was doing interviewing for a client, initial interviews and going through resumes and uh, people put down false information about jobs they've held in the past. Uh, they doctor the resumes, and I read a statistic recently that over 40% of the resumes that are job applications we've uh, that we see in any business uh, have a falsehood or more than one uh, in them. So reference checking, I think, is something we need to work on, particularly in small business where every hire is critically important because of the lower number of employees we have. So it's very, very important. And unfortunately, many small businesses don't, in my opinion, focus on it when they need to hire. They don't spend enough time really in the whole, pro the whole process of hiring, uh, even though it's so critical. Oftentimes, we're motivated. We just need to fill a spot. So there are three questions, I think, if you get a chance beyond verifying the dates of employment and potentially the salary level, uh, that if given the opportunity, particularly if you're filling uh, a spot, say, as a supervisor management or something like that, or sales even, uh, that you should try to, uh, to check out if you can find a willing ear uh, in the employer. And the first one is uh, you need to set the whole scenario up uh, because try to put people at ease, right? Think about yourself on the other side of the desk and someone is asking you for information. Also think about the fact that you would probably want to give information, basic information, without stepping into any of those uh, legal problems that potentially lurk. Uh, 
start off by saying I'm considering Joe for a job, uh, be responsible basically for name off two or three things. Do you think uh, Joe could perform well in this role? Why or why not? Um, and you're saying, well, nobody's going to answer that. You'd be amazed. You haven't asked the question at least once. Maybe you have to ask it a number of times before you get the right words, the right wear them. But you'd be amazed, particularly with fellow small business owners, if they have the time. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Time is so crucial, particularly if you're having to talk to a business owner. You need to uncover red flags. And you, a couple other things I would do is there are a number of questions that you can ask, but I picked out three off a list I have is, how well did Joe work with others? Um, how well did Joe work with others? You'd be amazed if someone will answer that question, what they'll say, well, he worked well with others, or he had this or that. Uh, and sometimes you'll get a lot more than that. Do you have any advice on how to manage Joe? Now you're asking for supervisory information, management information, but crucial information. And what you're really looking for, as well as the feedback that you may or may not get about how Joe works with people or how he is to manage you, someone saying, well, we just couldn't get along. You'll be amazed. You'll get answers short and sweet. It just didn't work out, you know, something like that. And the last question I like to try is, did Joe prefer to work on his own or be part of a team? To me, this is a crucial question. Uh, whether you're into team building, which I think is a good thing, but the idea that if Joe is a loner, will he fit into your business? Some positions you can be a loner, but most positions you need to work well with others. So I think those three questions are uh, have possibilities. Pick one of them, pick two of them, uh, but they will give you potentially someone will open up and wave a big red flag and the third area is when you close out the conversation. Besides saying thank you uh, and being either pleased or displeased with the amount of information you got, uh, try some of these. If you could work with Joe again, would you want to? The old question is, well, would you hire him back? I like this better. If you could work with Joe again, would you? Is there anything else I need to know about Joe that would help me make my hiring decision? Very open-ended question. And can you think of anyone else I should speak to in your organization? One of the things as we close this out on this tip of the week, I would encourage you that if you're not getting the response or responses, maybe call back and if they have an HR department, um, try to reach that HR department. You might get more information that will be helpful in making the decision you need to make. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of today's show. I encourage you, please put a note on your calendar to join us next Monday right here on IRLoneStar.com at 11 a.m., uh, when Ralph Diafuno will join us and talk about marketing, how to do it and how not to do it. He's a great educator. He teaches seminars about small business marketing. Please join us. And look for a podcast of today's show on the Weekly Business Hour page at IRLoneStar.com, our Facebook or YouTube channel at the Weekly Business Hour. Thank you for joining us, and remember to stay in touch with what's happening in Montgomery County right here on Lone Star Community Radio. And until next week, stay engaged and keep your focus on what counts in your business. Thanks.